Hallelujah. His word is sacred and true. It has held strong from generation to generation. You can't add to God's word. You can't take from God's word. It says what it means. And it means what it says. Amen. This is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Just stand as I read for you. It says to illustrate the point further. Remember I said that Jesus is making a point. So he made a point in parable 1. He made a point in parable 2. And to illustrate the point further. He gives them a third parable Jesus told him this story he said a man had two sons the younger son told his father I want my share of your estate now before you die so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons a few days later this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living heavenly father we thank you for your word jesus the son of the living god by the holy spirit speak to us this morning lord speak to our hearts we want hearts touched by the power of God this morning. That will be transformed and be conformed to the image and the likeness of God Almighty. We humble ourselves this morning. We decrease so that you would increase. And we say, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter. We are the clay. Let your perfect will be done. Let your kingdom come. Speak through me, Lord God. God, speak to me. May we live here changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. It, it has always, listen, we don't have actual notes for you but we have notes for you so we'll have it on the powerpoint and you can capture a lot of the notes on the powerpoint um today right um so you can write it on your note sheet right and because there's so much information that you're going to need to write down a lot of this you're going to have to have your bibles open as well at luke chapter 15 because there are some things that are in it that i know you have read this story but you've probably missed it and i'm going to help us to all identified so it will be preaching but a lot of this will be about teaching and getting some truths out of this so we can apply it to our lives so it has always troubled me that um 
that as I teach the word of God, people seem to remember my stories better than they remember my sermons. Right? Oftentimes people remember the story, especially the ones that are very funny. Although I think most of my stories are corny, but people always find them to be funny. That's why I love this church. They just laugh because I tell a story even when they don't think it's funny. Oh, come on, clap yourselves for that. I appreciate you. You show me a lot of love. Amen. But I, but I console myself with the knowledge that even Jesus had that problem. For people seem to remember better the stories that he told than the sermons that he preached. And I believe that there is a good reason for that. And that is because a good story connects with us as listeners. Jesus, of course, realized how powerful good stories are. And he used them frequently in his own teaching ministry. Today we refer to them as stories that Jesus told, told are parables. And so the first one we want to uh, look at today... It, it, it talks about what to do when we mess up big time. What to do when we mess up bad. It is a, a, a story about how to relate to our Heavenly Father. The story of the prodigal son was Jesus teaching people not about the son's attitude per se, but how the sons should relate to the father. So from this, what we need to extrapolate is how do I relate to my father when I feel like a prodigal? When I've strayed, when I've gone away, how am I supposed to relate to the father? Amen? But unfortunately, how we relate to God as our heavenly father is sometimes based to some extent on how we relate to our father in this life. Simply put, if we have a good father, then we do not have a problem for the most part. But if our father was absent or if our father was present, but we did not enjoy a good relationship then, that carries over into our relationship with the heavenly father. Amen? Amen? So if you struggle with a relationship with your father, sometimes it affects how you relate to God as father. And that is why one of the things that a lot of churches do is that they try to get people to forgive their earthly fathers. Because it will affect how you relate to God as father. So Jesus wanted to present from this parable... That our heavenly father is not a father who is just waiting for us to mess up so he can punch us and knock us out. Instead, he is a loving father who is ready to welcome us home. Jesus wanted us to get that from this parable. The heavenly father is waiting, loving, and ready to welcome you home. So he told the story about God as a loving heavenly father in this Luke chapter 15. In verse 11 it says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. So, they, so they, they, in the context, if you, you know the English language, they said the subject of the story is a certain man and two sons. Right? Amen? Amen. And it's often called the parable of the prodigal son. But in reality... 
It's a story about the love of God and his acceptance of those who have made bad choices and messed up big time. The story is about the love of God and his acceptance of people who have messed up really bad. So Jesus had some important things that he wants to teach us about God the Father. So I have three points. But in the first point of the three, I have three other three points. So in, in point number one, I have nine points. But it's only three points in the sermon. Amen? So how many points in all? Three. Come on now. <laughs> Alright? So I have three points. But in point number one, I have three, three pointers. So point number one has nine points in total. But it's one point. And then I have point two and point three. Alright, so the first point, the first principle from the scripture is this. God loves you so much that he allows you to make your own choices. God loves you so much that he allows you to make your own choices. That's love. I know some of us can't comprehend that because we want a God who stops every evil thing in the world. A amen? Haven't you ever said like, why God don't just stop the man from killing? Look at me. Why God don't just stop the people from driving so fast? Why God don't just stop people from having their free will? Except us. Right? We want God to stop certain things that we think are not good. But the things that we want to do that we enjoy, God must give us free will to do them. So the scripture said, then he said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. One of the things that disturbs us about God is that he refuses to step in and stop us or others from doing what is wrong. Here's why. Because God has given us the awesome gift of free will. Come on, just say that with me. Free will. If God took away free will from us, it would make us into robots who are controlled by him. We think that we would like for God to be more controlling. At least in the lives of other people. Truthfully, though we want God to step in and take control, we don't want God to control us. A amen? But here's what. When we see certain things around us, we want God to step in and control those things. We want God to conveniently remove free will some places in some people at some times. But not in other places, in other people at other times. And if that were to happen, it would be problematic for God. Because he will be dual in personality. And God must be consistent. It's going to be all man has free will or no man has free will. We're going to break it down. 
We'd like to have him force people to do the right thing and stop them from doing the wrong things. But God knows that the moment he forces us to do his will, it means nothing. If God has to force you to do something, it means nothing. Everything we do for God must be based on free will. Verse 12 continues with this. So he divided to them his livelihood. Have you ever wondered why the father gave him? You know, the father did not have to. According to the league, it was a legal request, but it was not the legal time. So legally, the father was not obligated to. I, I, I wait to get this. Wait to get this because it's very important. But the father granted his wish and gave his son what he wanted. Turn to your neighbor and say, Be careful what you want. And be careful what you wish for. Because you might just get it. Come on, just let me say, You might just get it. And you might not like it. Maybe you're sitting beside your spouse. You should not be saying this. You're next to get in trouble, right? But, but in the Greek text, because you know the New Testament is, was originally in the Greek. In the Greek text, it shows the anguish of the father. Because in the Greek text, it literally says, said this. He divided to them his life. And when you get to the end of it, you'll realize that the elder son spoke about the father's livelihood. In other words... The father was giving up everything to his son at this point. The father gave into his son. Not because he was a permissive parent. Not because he did not care what would happen to his son. But because he was giving his son what he the son thought he wanted. If you keep asking for it, God will give you it. You know? God will cause you to get it. <laughs> God, listen, listen, listen. Hey, I don't know about you, but I thank God sometimes that I don't get what I want. C come on now. Listen, listen. If you got all that you wanted, your life would be messed up. Don't, don't it? Haven't you ever wished for something and then somebody has get it and you want to them and you say, thank God. <laughs> so the father wasn't a permissive parent. Because sometimes the worst thing God can do for us is to allow us to have what we think we want. God allows us to have it. But here's what happened. He allows us to have what we think we want. In the hope that someday we would want something better. So you get it and you really realize it's not worth it after all. And then you realize what God has for you is better for you and you begin to crave what God has in store for you in other words sometimes you have to get Egypt before you realize it's the promised land you really want because if you don't get Egypt you're not going to appreciate and create a desire for the promised land you see sometimes it's out of your pain sometimes that births the right thing in your life because you realize the pain that the thing caused you realize you can't go back down that pathway anymore so be careful because watch this. The truth is that in this man's pursuit of pleasure, the son, 
pain would be his constant companion. He thought what he was asking for would bring him pleasure because he asked her to spend it on wildlife. He had some pleasure, but it brought him more pain than pleasure. The things sometimes that we want provide instant pleasure but long-term pain. Pain became his constant companion until the images of this world's allurement are replaced by the images of a home where he was loved and valued. He got to a place where he says, Oh my God, look what is going on in my life. I'm a good day, I'm a father house, I live better. That's what happened to him. So this is, so that is point one, right? We're still in point one. But I'm going to give you three things in point one right now. These are, so the prodigal son offended his father. And we too offend the father when we act in these three ways. How did he do it? The first way is that he asked for his inheritance early. Alright? Tell the neighbor, so wait. So wait your turn. Wait your time. Listen, not because everybody getting married is your time to get married. Hey, not because everybody getting house is your time to get house. Hey, hey, not because everybody are go foreign, you know I mean are your time to go foreign. Hey, listen, not because everybody are get visa, are your time to go for embassy. Come on, tell anybody, wait your time. He asks for his inheritance early. He says, Father, give me the portion of good that fall to me. He asks for his inheritance in a legal but highly unusual request. Because the practice of the time was to wait until the father had passed to receive your inheritance. But he wanted it before. In fact, the boy was in effect saying, Dad, I don't want to have to wait around to get what is mine. And since you haven't died soon enough to suit me, I want what is mine and I want it now. In other words, watch out, daddy man. You're going to take too long for dead. And I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait any longer. My biological clock ticking. You understand me? My friends are out there partying. Everybody are making it in a lot. Not my biological clock. You know what I mean? So don't, don't, don't give me that strange look. Right? I'm speaking in the third person. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so that is what is happening. He, he's here saying that. I, I can't wait any longer. He was the younger of the brothers. Now we don't know their age. But when scripture say you're young in those days. You're really young. It don't use that very often because people live longer. So, again, it's a parable. The story is, is for us to learn from the son. He asks for his inheritance too early because he couldn't wait. I think that is interesting that this young man's fall began the moment he started demanding his rights. He felt like I am a big man now. So I am supposed to have this now. 
I'm supposed to be this. No. Me a big woman now. I'm a big this now. I'm supposed to move out. You can't tell me what to do, mommy. You can't tell me what to do, daddy. I'm past the age of consent. I am an adult now. Who are you, pastor, to tell me that I can't? That I can't. Who are you, mommy, to tell me that I can't marry whom I love? Me get to age. Me reach the point where I get to determine. Ask for his inheritance too early. Second thing is that he sold his inheritance. Now, you have to understand the culture to understand that he sold everything. Because the scripture says in verse 13, and not many days after, you know why it says that? It took him some time to sell the things that he couldn't take with him. Because he had to sell everything. Because he couldn't bring the land, you know, because he got land. He couldn't bring the goat them and the sheep them and the cow them and the he couldn't bring the cattle with him. So the scripture said, the younger son gathered all together. So he sold everything that was his that could be sold and he got the money. You realize that's why he was having so many parties because he had a lot of money. Here's what happened. When you get tombs too early, you lose them quickly. The man, the most valuable thing that people owned in that time was their cattle and land. He asked for it and he sold it. What should happen? In, in today's terminology, we would say he liquidated his assets, right? Amen. You know what I'm talking about. He not only received his inheritance early, he sold it. So land that belonged to his family, he sold you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? God gave land to families and, and they were commanded to do what? Not to do what? Not to sell it. He sold something that he should never have sold because he asked for something he should never have asked for. He gave no thought to how his selfish, selfishness would affect the entire household. He took one third of the family resources and he left home to live it up. He left home to live it up. He was not simply moving out to live on his own. I think we can safely say he had no intentions of ever returning. You know why? If he were planning on returning, he wouldn't sell the land. Right? He had no plans on returning. So he, he did what he asked early. He sold his inheritance. The scripture also teaches us that he squandered his inheritance. The scripture said he journeyed to a far country. The further away from God you know, is the more you are, is the more wasteful your life is. Let me say it again. The further away you are from God is the more wasteful life is. He journeyed to a far country, meaning he left from the place where the father was. Remember the stories about God the father, and he went to a far country. And there, wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word translated prodigal here means loud or wild. It suggests a life of wild parties, loud music, and bright lights. He was living it up. The word translated wasted means to blow away. 
The same word used to describe separating grain from the chaff. So quite literally it means he took it and he blew it on while living. You ever hear Jamaican say, the man blew, 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 the money, blew, 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 blew. I know some of us are saying that, listen, a madman, me not squander money. In fact, some of us will look and say, well, boys will be boys. The terrible part is that, that many forget to add to boys will be boys that we reap what we sow. The scripture says in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Yes, you can come back to God. But we will come back worse than when we left. Scarred by sin and with memory of wasted years. We can look at this young man and see the foolishness of his choices before he even begins. His errors seem so clear to us. And we can see the results of his destruction, destructive lifestyle before they even come to pass. You ask for things you're not supposed to have. You sell things you're not supposed to sell. Remember there's an ex-person in the Bible who sold not his inheritance but he sold his birthright. And he regretted it. When you ask for things too early, you sell things you're not supposed to sell. The further you away, away from the Father, you squander things in lack of wisdom. Leads to a life of destruction. And so when you're in the middle of a situation, it's not easy to see. In all of this, he couldn't see that his life was heading into ruins. I'll tell you this. When you're in the middle of a situation, a bad situation, don't make, don't make permanent choices in temporary situations. You hear me? When you're, when you're held up in bad position, it's not the best time to make life-changing choices. The ways of the world look so appealing. And people seem so full of life and, and, and having so, such a good time. And the bad thing that happened to others will not happen to us. That's why we always think, who? That can't happen to me. You must be mad if I did me. If I did me, would I put up some money? Would I save some? Listen, we look at this. We are like the driver. We are like, we are like the, the, the robot taxi driver. Who police just, a record just take up all the robot taxi in front of them. They see it on the news, so much tickets, and they say, Oh, Alpha police can't catch me. Me know if you go around there. That's how we operate. We always say, Who? Me. Me, too wise. That can't happen to me. Never. But as always in life, sooner or later, choices have consequences. So turn to your neighbor and say, choices have consequences. If you want to change your harvest, you have to change your seed. So if you're sowing bad seed, you're going to have bad harvest. If you want good harvest, you have to sow good seed. Because you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. And let me tell you something about sin. Sin will cause you to stay 
go further than you want to go stay longer than you want to stay and it will always cost you more than you are willing to pay I am telling you when sin begins to put demand on you you are not going to have money to pay it back when the devil come calling and say hey 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 I gave you that you know you need to pay up so be careful the money will eventually run out and at the same time a famine fell upon that part of the world bringing the young man into a truly desperate situation hey, when I saw this this week I, you have to look in your bible you, you have to see it in your bible for yourself verse 14 to 16 but when he had spent all I want to see that the scripture says when he had spent all look at this this guy sold land cattle collected all his money went out partying the scripture said when he had sold all what happened what, what your bible says the moment he spent all his money immediately a famine start can you imagine the famine wasn't there when he had money the, but the moment the money done things get tough people the money will run out and famine is going to start what is going to sustain you this is the beginning of his difficulty when the thing that was supposed to bring him pleasure ended then pain is about to start there arose a severe famine in that land the man who said give me what is mine the scripture said he began to be in want is that what your bible says the moment the famine started the man in want then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he, and he sent him into his field to feed swine a son was now becoming a servant and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. I want to tell you this. He wasn't partied by himself. But when famine started, his companion was pigs. Because the people were gone. So he was using his money to take care of people. And now he was using pig food to take care of himself. Sin leads us away from the Father's house by promising us something we think will satisfy us. Sin always promises a satisfaction that it can never truly bring. Because only God can satisfy. That is why men will come and say, No, you can come and be with me. Me will get saved. Yes, me saved already. Me not ready to get baptized yet. You understand me? Yes, me I read my Bible, man. Yeah, man, me come to church with you, man. Visit church. And all of a sudden, sin comes and tells you that there is great. This is, this is going to be a great relationship. Promise you something, never satisfied. Because here's the thing about sin. 
Sin promises us freedom, but it brings only slavery. Sin promises success, but it brings only failure. It promises life, but the wages of sin is death. The problem becomes, the longer that we are in the far country, the longer we rebel against God, the hungrier and the emptier we will become. I want you to pick up something that this is teaching. You know, Jesus taught in Matthew, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know that only Jesus can fill you, right? No party can fill you. He thought party would bring fulfillment. It didn't. Only Jesus can fill and satisfy human at their innermost parts. Amen? We're still in point one. The prodigal son had to return home. So I'm going to give you three things, three steps he took to get back to where he ought to have been in the first place so we can take the steps to get back home. The first step on the road home is to wake up to our true condition. Acknowledgement. The scripture said, but when he came to himself, some translations say when he came to his senses, turn to your neighbor and say, come to your senses. Just say, I'm not saying you're mad enough, but just come to your senses. So when he came to his senses, here's what he said. And I want you to underline this in your Bible because you have to get this point. How many of, I want, you to, I want you to know the word that he uses. He says, my father. Come on, say that with me. Though he was in a far place. No, you weren't supposed to say that part. Right, Justin, just my father. Thank you. You're a good student. Right, though he was in a far place. He still call him what? It means that he realized that he's still my father. That means I'm still a son. It means that, listen, no matter how far you are, you're still a son. And he is still your father. He goes and says, my father's hired servants. He also distinguished himself from hired servants. He said, listen, they are servants. I'm still a son, so I'm in a far place. The servants are still in the house, enjoying the father, but I'm the son. Though I'm in a far place. In other words, he didn't say the hired servants are no sons. He still realized that hired servants are still hired servants. I'm still a son, though I'm not in the house. So even when I'm out of the presence of God, I'm still a son of God the Father. It, I want you to get this. That means if you're a son, you're a son. You can't lose your sonship. And fathership cannot be lost. You're either a son or a hired servant. That's the distinction. He says, they have bread enough to spare. And I perish with hunger. Hey, listen. Hey, this is so awesome, right? In, I, I don't want to get into theology, but you know that the bread, Right? The bread of life is the same word. The hunger is the same word. Look for hunger and thirst or righteousness. He wasn't talking about just physical stuff. He was saying that there's a place that I can go now and be spiritually filled. Servants are there being filled up. And I am out here dying of hunger. 
I need to make my way back to the place where I can get true satisfaction. And that is in my father's presence, in my father's house, because I am still a son. When his money ran out, he had known, he no doubt told himself that this was just a temporary setback. But finally things got bad enough to get his attention. And that's how we start out. Boy, yeah, man, things will get better. Things will get better, man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We know God will go work it out and we try and fix it. Listen, when you're in a hole, right? Try Jesus. Don't try to come out. Because any hole Satan put in is quicksand. The more you fight, the deeper you go. Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and say, Jesus, come pull me out. He lifted me up from the miry clay. That's what it, what it says. You don't try to come out of it because you go deeper down into it. If we could fix our problem, then we would not need a savior. The more you try to fix it, it's the worse it gets. Listen, I've learned this enough. So, you see anything broken in my house? My son, I don't know what he's doing. The man break down the whole shower thing. Man same just move the curtain like this and the whole thing just mash up. Yeah, I mean, I got upset because I'm just saying, brethren, that's not possible. You can't move a curtain and everything just fall apart. It don't happen like that. He said, yes, daddy. Anyways, so you, you, you know, you know, it, part of us to try and see if we can resolve the issue. I just put out that thing one time and I just drop it around and said, no, you know what? Let me just call a welder. I've learned long enough that, listen, if I try and fix that, by the time the welder come, he must God probably redo the whole bathroom. So here's what I've learned. It's when it comes on to the issues in my life, Jesus alone can fix them. And anytime I try to do it, I mess it up worse. That is why when people come to you and tell you that, just give me until next year, man. Me just Listen, let me tell you this story. My mom, for many years, said, Mom, you're not going you to get, you get saved. Oh, my, you have to pressure me some, man. I'm going to tell you, so when time we get married. You understand me? Some people say, Mommy, look at all the long. You want daddy? Come like on married. All my life. I say, all right, all right, all right, all right. Anyway, she get married. They all right, you get baptized now. But now, my young man, I saw the house, man, because you don't know. I have to look at all the sleeves You understand me? When time want to go to God, I make sure I say everything right. All right? Everything sought out in our house. I said, Mommy, you're not going to get saved. Stop bothering me about this thing. I'm not telling you why time you're ready. Me, we do it, man. You know what happened to her? She got sick. She had no other choice but to call on Jesus. I didn't have to tell her anything. She called me and tell me that she gets saved and she'll get baptized. <laughs> the point I'm making, the more people try to fix stuff, is the deeper they fall into the quicksand give it to Jesus amen so the combination of being forced to hire himself out as a slave and seeing that the pigs were better cared for than he was caused him to, to do clear thinking about his situation so the first step home is the realization of how far we have roamed you have to realize that you're far from where you ought to be with God. And I need to get back to the heart of worship. I need to get back to the presence of my king. Our road home begins when we realize that we are headed in the wrong direction. And we head back to God. It says, when he came to himself, 
that means that when he began to see things as they really are I tell people that all sin is really a form of insanity let me explain it to you how many of you believe that sin is a bad thing how many of you know that we're not supposed to sin how many of you still sin amen so tell me if something is wrong with us yet we know it's bad for us we know we're not supposed to do it and then we do it over and over and what they say about insanity is to do the same thing let me not tell you man just tell a person he's not saying you're mad just, just, just tell a person but all sin is a form of insanity because repentance begins with seeing things straight. We are acting insane when we are living in sin. Repentance is saying, I have seen the wrong and I'm changing the way I think and I act towards it. Amen? The, the second step on the road home is confession. He not only acknowledged his true condition, but there was confession. He says, I will arise and again he uses the term and go to my father you see he keeps on saying that and will say to him so this is will now because he's not actually there yet right so he's saying that here's what I'm going to do when I get to where my father is so he already it means that in his heart he's right though he hasn't come in contact with the person so his heart was right from that moment he says, right, because he says, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And here's what he says. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Listen, he wanted to exchange his sonship for servantship. But listen what the father said when we get to the end. The father still treated him like a son. Because once you're a son... Hallelujah. You're getting it. You're getting it. Once you're a son, you're a son. Him say, man, based on how bad I've messed up, there's no way I can still be a son. Uh, the only group that I fit in is a lesser group called servant. He said, no, no. You're still in the elite group. You're still a son. I like this. I like this, this son, right? He did not excuse his behavior as understandable. And too often we start out confession and confessing. And we start out confessing and we end up into excusing. Lord Jesus, forgive me now. I know I should not have cut off the boss, you know. But me I tell you, the man too torment, man. I tell you. If they will come work, the man just a bother me, you know, Jesus. So you think? Me have just go off on him and make him know him place. You know, you know, we confess, you know, we confess to Jesus. Jesus, forgive me, you know, Jesus, because, boy, I'm really treat my wife bad today, you know. But me, I tell you, I know, so many times she just make everything bad her, so Jesus. That's how I have to be of the way sometime, man. Man, I'm man, a human, you know, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about, you're confessing, you're confessing that you're sinning, you know, but somehow you start making excuses. Is there a word called excusion? Like you have confession? We need to stop calling it confession. Let's <laughs> call it excusion. Because it's not confession. <laughs> I mean, there's no such word, though, though, right? 
But but there are three types of excuses we use when we we're, when we are guilty of wrongdoing. Here are the three excuses. This is still point one, you know. This is the next three. I told you that there were three threes in point one. So this is the last three in point one, right? The first is outright denial. Outright denial, right? A rejection of any involvement. And sometimes this is done even though the person is obviously guilty. People, people will deny. The, the second is, excuse, it's, it's not my fault. That's an ex- excuse. The person looks around for someone he or she can blame. And often we blame a loved one. We blame a husband. We blame a wife. We blame a parent. Sometimes even the boss. We blame a church sister. We blame a pastor. The third form of excuse is I did it but. In this instance the person blames circumstances for their shortcoming. Let me say this. Confession is not the same as being sorry we are caught. It is being sorry we have sinned. Confession is not being sorry for being caught. It is being sorry about the sin. Whether or not you are caught. To confess means to own up to the fact that one's behavior is sinful. David said in Psalm 51 verse 4. This is his great confession after his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Therefore, true confession then is no deals, no negotiations, no strings attached. The third step on the road home. So the first one is acknowledging our true condition. Confession. The third is repentance. The scripture said, and he arose. Very important, right? Verse 18 and 19, look at the Bible. It says, I will arise. Amen? No man, you need to look in the Bible and tell me if that is there. It says, I will arise, right? And then verse 20 said, and he arose. Amen? Come on, man, tell me if that's in your Bible, man. So two things happened. He willed it, and then he did it. Come on, tell the person beside you. You have to will it, and then you have to do it. So the confession is, I will. Repentance is, I did. But some of us love to, I will. But we don't like to, I do. Or I did. And he arose and he came to his father. So he said, I will arise and go to my father. This one says, he arose and he came to his father. So he did something about what he confessed. Have you done something about your last confession? The sign that he had truly repented was when he turned from his wrong choices. And he headed home. As long as he stayed in that place, repentance did not take place. Every time you repentance, you make a spiritual move. Every time you repent, you make a spiritual move. You have to move. You cannot repent and stay where you are. That's just confession. You have to move. Whenever there is repentance, there must be 
a change in spiritual posture. Recognition of sinful choices was good, but it was not good enough. Confession of how wrong he was was good, but it was not good enough. All these things are no good unless he's willing to turn around and return to the Father. Now I have this scripture that I'm going to teach you this principle from because it's in there. Proverbs 28 verse 13. I want you to find it in your Bible. I want you to memorize it. I want you to highlight these key words. It starts out by saying, He that covers his sin... This is the first principle. He acknowledges true condition, right? He that covers it, if you don't, he says, his sin, his sin shall not prosper. This is not talking about getting money. It's talking about spiritual prosperity. If you don't uncover your sin, there's no spiritual progress. But whoever confesses and what? Come on. Confesses and the extension of God's mercy operates when a twofold working of people takes place. What are they? Confession and forsaking. Yeah. Confession and repentance. You have to cons- confess it and move away from it. You have to forsake it. And you will understand and receive the mercy of the Father. So whenever you confess, you have to forsake. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, wake up. Confess and forsake. I hope they weren't sleeping. Because they did say, and I will not fall asleep. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now we are at point two. Point one is, God loves you so much that he allows you to make your own choices. Point two. Secondly, the father is willing and anxious to accept those who return home. Alright? So we have, we have like five hours to go. I'm just kidding. Around five minutes and then we'll close. Right? Verse 20 to 24. He said, and he arose and he came to his father. Again, you see his father, my father, all of these terms. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Alright? Oh my God. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him the son said to him remember the son also said I will say to my father so he gets to the father now and what does he do he said to the father he says father I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son so what he willed he said when he met the person amen but the father said to his servants. Have you ever wondered? The son confessed to the father. And the father don't speak to the son. The father speak to the servant. The father didn't say, so why it takes so long? The father didn't say, so what were you doing? The father didn't say, why did you have to do that? Why did you leave in the first place? The father, remember he ran out, had compassion... The only expression you see from the father toward the son up to this point is that he had compassion on him. He ran out, hugged him, fell on his neck, meaning he kissed him and hugged him. Then he said to the servants, bring out the best robe 
put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry then he says I love this right because remember his intention was to come home to be a what the father said for this what the father called him son though he wanted to be a servant he said my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry meaning everybody who was there at the point because there was someone who was absent because the other son was out of the house as well he was in closer proximity but he was still out of the house we're going to get to that so when the son left the father did not chase after him you realize that he just let him leave he never chased after him he never sent out a search party so there are many believers who believe that um, the church need to come and find them and church need to come and visit them and try to coerce them to come to church and try to knock on them door and say what my sister Junie so they said listen I, I, hey, may I take my, my husband alright because him come from down the road and we are going to a far country and they stopped coming to church and then they said Pastor Ray you need to come and find us Pastor Ray stay in our church because they need to come to their senses because we can't make people repent while we are here we must be like the father waiting on them with arms of compassion and then what we do is how we respond when they return watch what will happen the father did not fall apart the church never got perturbed and said boy you can't imagine Lord have mercy boy you can't imagine sister, sister, sister Punsi gone brother John fine hot girl and gone about him business oh my lord church I got done no 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 listen the father did not fall apart but he did not give up hope and when the son returned he did not retaliate by withholding his forgiveness he showed compassion on him everything about the reception given this son given to the son by the father is significant so in that time in the Palestinian culture where they lived in when somebody gave somebody a kiss it meant full acceptance and friendship so when the scripture says greet each other with a holy kiss it is the same expression which is saying that we accept you as part of the beloved we are friends we are family so the father is saying to the son I accept you as my son remember the son at this time as far as we know did not get a shower but we know that he was cleansed you want to read pastor where you get that from you, you know how he was cleansed because he willed that you go to the father and say I will he came to his senses he got up and he went home the moment he began to express that he was cleansed spiritually he was just not showered physically come on come on 
you're getting what is happening so the father acknowledges now that you have been cleansed you're accepted in the beloved you have done watch this the spiritual thing so let's put back on some physical stuff watch this watch this watch. so he kissed right welcome the father didn't stop with a kiss and a hug he called for a robe a ring and sandals right very significant the robe stands for honor when the son left what he did was dishonorable because you're basically saying daddy I take too long for dead it was dishonoring to the father and to families at that time for people to take inheritance before time so what the father did the first thing after all of this the father did was restore what restored honor put on a robe on him and said to them listen all of you in here careful how you treat him because this is my son I'm restoring his honor in this house when people return from places of dishonor the first thing we ought to do as the people of God is to begin to restore honor watch this, watch this. What, what's the next thing he did gave him a ring right the ring stands for authority it meant that he was giving him the power of attorney in other words listen you have authority in this place yeah then he gave him sandals right so in that culture slaves never got sandals to wear only sons so again the father is saying you are my son so that's the three things you get from point two, point three, and then we close. So the father is willing and anxious to accept those who return home. And finally, the father expects his children to rejoice over the return of the fallen. If you're a child of God, when the people return, you must be happy. Amen? It says, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants. Listen, I, I could stop. I could preach. I, listen, I could preach here. First, first thing, this is a son working in the field. All right? You hear noise. And you don't talk to your father. You talk to servant. You understand me? So what you hear from the servant got you perturbed. Listen, when you hear things that you don't understand, talk to the father. I, I could stop and preach right here, but we're going to move on because of the sake of time. So he called a servant. Of course, the servant, you, you know, the servant, them, you know, being servant. What, what, what these things meant? They didn't know what it meant. They only know what was happening. They didn't know the significance of what the father was doing. So he's asking them to explain what everything means. Watch this. Watch this. You see the problem? You can't ask servants to tell you what the father means. That's a thing for family members. So they said, and he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him, see, you see it? The servant is saying, the only reason this is happening is because your brother is safe and sound. You know that that's not why it's happening. It's because he's dead and alive. They are telling him because he's safe and sound. The, the father said, he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. The servant said he's safe and sound. Two different meanings. 
being communicated. What should happen? Your father has killed the fatted calf for a man who's safe and sound. But, his, but he was angry. And watch this. The one who stayed at home did not want to go in the house. He said he did not want to go in the house. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So one son go out far country. The other one just right out the door. And the father have to beg him to come inside. I mean it was a prodigal in him. It's two prodigal sons in him. It's not one. Alright. <laughs> this is so good, right? Lo! He says, these many years, this is what the son is saying. Father, these many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. The man says, I've been obedient. I've kept the whole law of doing everything you said. And you never gave me a good. Man, man, I am said, listen. That I made, the man said, listen, you don't have to give me a little good mother curry so me and my friend could have fun. That's what he said, you know. That I might make merry with my friends. The man said, all of these years, me there you are work hard. And you never ever give me a little goat. Cook some curry chicken and rice. We party with my friends then. Curry, curry. curry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Miracles can happen. Hey, man, but curry goat, curry goat, curry goat, curry goat. Curry good, curry good, curry good. You're right, right. Curry good, right? Yeah. But as soon, he says, but as soon as this son of yours came, he's almost speaking like he's not a son. He's a servant. Because the son who was in a position of serving far away still believed he was a son. Right? The son who was at home was living like a servant. says who has devoured your livelihood with harlots you killed the fatted calf for him and then he said to him this is such a profound statement son see it again for the first one he said my son and again for this one he says son says you're getting this wrong he says son you're always with me and all that I have is yours in other words, you could have killed the goat a long time. You never even have to ask for the goat. It means that some of you live inside of your house and in the presence of God. And you don't even know what is yours. So you are just as bad as the one who out in the field. Who t- Listen, he's prodigal in his physical position. But you are in the right place but prodigal in your heart. Because you are so far from what the father really wants. Just like the son who is far away. If my sons have to ask me if they can go in the fridge and drink a little water. Something wrong in the family. But when the visitor comes will not go in my fridge without my permission but in my house my sons have access this man was in the house he says for all these years 
And brother, you want one goat? Remember the scripture. Hey, hey, we're going we're to finish, right? You know the scripture said that he divided it between them? So that he, he was given goats? No, no, the scripture actually said that, right? He divided everything he had between them. So if other one get goat, then him not get goat to man. Then if you get goat to where you ask about goat for again. The man's heart was in the wrong place. Do he was in the right house. I always tell people that backsliders in the church and backsliders outside of the church. Elder brother really did not understand his father any better than the younger brother had. He considered himself nothing more than an unappreciated servant to his father. He expressed this when he said, look, I have been slaving for, for you for years. And for what? He's angry and resentful that the father has not catered to his wishes and rewarded him as he thinks he deserves. The awful possibility exists that we too can be in the father's fields as servants but not in his house as sons and daughters. We may be moral and respectable, but not really know the Father who is loving, accepting, and forgiving. Have you ever noticed that this particular story does not have an ending? We do not know how the elder brother eventually reacted to his brother's return, but we can imagine some possible endings to this story. Perhaps the older brother finally gave in and forgave his brother. He shared the inheritance with him and they both lived in the father's house as brothers once again. Or, in, in the world, it is easy to imagine that the older brother became increasingly bitter and the father, against the father and his, and, um, and he left his house never to be reconciled either with his brother or his father sometimes we like elder brothers we are like the elder brother and we are not too pleased to see the father forgive someone other than ourselves you know sometimes people are bothered when people return to church that they are treated too good because that they have been inside the church all along and those who just come in are getting better treatment than them it's a reflection of the state of our heart but I want to pray for us this morning so the, 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 the three truths that Jesus wants us to understand about the father is that God loves us so much that he allows us to make our own choices he loves us so much secondly that he's willing and anxious to accept us when we return home and the father expects his children to rejoice over the return of the fallen with every head bowed and eyes closed eyes closed there's a song it says i give myself away so you can use me it says here i am here i stand it says my life is not my own to you I belong I give myself I give myself to you listen I don't know where you are this morning I don't know where your heart is at I can only challenge you as I'm led by the spirit of the Lord and you respond to what God is doing in your heart 
Now, again, the three things that happened is that the son who was in the far country acknowledged his true condition. He confessed and he returned home to a compassionate, loving father who dealt with him in a loving and compassionate way in spite of what the brother thought. Or maybe you are the brother who you have been around the house but you're not living like the son or the daughter you ought to. God is here this morning, today, to heal, to fix, to mend, to restore hearts. To bring you back to this place of deep, intimate fellowship with God. Remember that that kiss is about acceptance and friendship, relationship. The intimacy is what was affected. And God today want to restore intimacy in the relationship that you share with him. But we have to come to our senses, get up from where we are, return to his arms of love, for he's waiting. The scripture said, and he saw him, and he ran. Jesus, he will see you, and he will run to meet you with arms of love and arms of grace but will you be honest and truthful enough to admit that your heart has gone afar from the Lord and you need to get close closer closer and closer to him whether you feel like the son on the outside or the son on the inside the father is willing and he's ready so if that's you this morning I'm going to ask you to right where you are, just stand to your feet and just say, Lord, I know that this script, this, this sermon has spoken to my heart. And like the son in the story, I acknowledge the true condition and the state of my heart. Forgive me, Lord. I'm returning to you and I'm giving myself to you. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. I want to be with you. You are mine. So all that you have is mine. You just whisper that. You just pray that right now. You just tell the Lord, Lord, I am coming back to this rightful place in my relationship with you where I ought to be I'm laying everything aside I'm, I'm coming to you and maybe some of us this morning we need to ask him and say Lord you know what I've asked for some things that I should not have asked for and they have caused problems in my life just ask him to forgive you so Lord forgive me forgive me Lord I've sinned, I've, I've erred, I've made mistakes. Lord, forgive me and have mercy on me. Just commit to him and say, Lord, I commit to changing. This is a new me. One who is deeply in love with you. And desires to pursue you. I want you to stand with me, just everyone. Just stand with me for a second. I want you to just lift your hands and... We're going to sing 
We're just going to sing with your hands lifted. Just for a minute or two, we're going to sing this a couple of times as a declaration of our hearts this morning that we're giving ourselves to the Lord. Come on, I give myself away. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can you. a free will decision today to surrender all to you we return from our far places to be close to our heavenly father we pray your will be done in our lives and your kingdom come in our lives in Jesus name come on my life is not my own
Thank you.